But I'm going to be sitting all We got day. some help. Emma and Smith. Kiss my ass. I'm looking for a donut pillow for a friend. Are you maybe not clear enough about it being like for hemorrhoids or a butt pain? Like, is it a donut pillow? Like, people are thinking you've got a, like, you're looking for a sprinkled donut, colored pillow for a. Oh, like for Halloween? Oh, man. I didn't think of that. I should look around in my my medicine cabinet underneath the sink or something, because I used to have a donut pillow when I had hemorrhoids. You want Roman's underneath the sink hemorrhoid pillow? Can I tell you a secret? <laughs> yeah. I would take any fucking pillow <laughs> that could go underneath my butt. Because I have a bruised fucking tailbone, and it hurts right now. I mean, like, if I were to give my... Hey, Phil, if I were to rate my pain right now, six. Six. Yeah. What was it when you stood up from bending over today and ran backwards into the boxes of comics that got delivered? That's not what happened. I was standing in front of the box of comics that were to get delivered, and I needed to bend down to pick up books on the bottom shelf, and so I... Did that, and I ran my tailbone into the edge of the box of comics, which is so, so much just worse like than a, what you just said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what would you rate your pain then? Um, that was a momentary 7.5. Okay. Um, Acceptable podcast by the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington, where every week we and our bears go pick up a bunch of comics. We take them back here. We shuffle them up, sort them randomly into customers' boxes, and on Wednesday we hang out with all our favorite fans, sell them comics, talk about comics, tickle them about comics, show off our jackalopes, and then we come upstairs, go to a restaurant, do something we read comics and Sometimes then we come we here and talk about them day old lamb meatballs with polenta that was hmm? monday jeff that's different dude i almost texted you like after i left like don't eat the meatballs because <laughs> i felt sick for probably four hours that's just the protein you how, don't get much protein can I, in you, can I get an honest question from you how yeah. long did those spend on from between your plate clean plated and put in that mini fridge no more than like an hour, hour and a half. How long? Actually, does lamb actually, way stay? less, way less. I got the meal. I ate some of it. Didn't even order a second drink. Found twenty dollars in one dollar bills in a trail leading to the comic store. He's living the best life. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I put so. those lamb balls in the fridge. Well, I don't know about how well they heated back up or hung out in a room temperature area. Because did you eat any of them? Uh, I ate like half a, a one and I gave up because uh, they're they're too heavy for me. They they are very rich. Yeah, there's something wrong with the. Okay, listen, there's nothing wrong with those meatballs. We love you. There's something wrong with our stomachs. There's something wrong with my stomach. Um, this week we're gonna be spoiling stuff. Spoilers. <coughs> are you kids spoiling up there? Spoiling throwback. Shout out. Hey! Oh, Spoilers. Hey, quit yelling in my podcast. Oh, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm just kidding. I wanted to like do the throwback and then pretend to be. Pretend to be angry. Spoilers. He's inverse singing. This week we're going to be talking about books of magic. Number one, Moon Knight. Two hundred. High Heaven. Number two, The Punisher. Number three, Mars Attacks. Number one, 
and Action Comics 1004. And probably some other things as well. Buckshots, spoilers, spoilers. If you're worried about that, um, spoilers, I fell and hurt my tailbone really bad. So that's going to be a theme of this episode, just like it's been a theme of all of Django's day. Two years ago? I fell two years ago. Get fucking over it, bruh. Dude, I <laughs> thought I've been like, I Googled what like a broken tailbone feels like a year ago, like before Justin left. I've been like flirting with going to the doctor for this forever, but something's happened in the last couple of weeks. It's inflamed it. It's gotten me all hot and bothered. I can't sit. I can't sleep. I can't stand. I can't do orders very good. Who are you? I'm Jeff. I'm Django. And I took a pain pill. And and I drank for that. half a beer while Jeff took a pain pill. So I'm sorry if this isn't up to my, my normal, serious, slowly paced, calm speaking standards. I'm Roman. I once threw out my back, but that's a different thing. I've been there. You should recycle it. I thought I thought you went to a doctor like a couple of years ago when after this first happened. No, not for this. No. I've been to a doctor like three times in the last five years, and none of it was for this. But I did get a finger in my butt yesterday for the first time ever from a doctor. Yay! Okay. Uh, did he go up and down, left and right, he, up only, down only, left so, only, right only? So did you a swirl? He told me to bend over the very excitedly, like he was <laughs> not—I don't know—not excitedly, but like, well, might as well give me a prostate exam, is what he said. Like, like it was just like, wow. Okay, like you, that's just like, maybe I'll have, you know, like maybe I'll have cereal. Like, maybe I'll put my finger in your butt. And it, Ooh, strawberries today. <laughs> he, he said, yeah, I'll just have you bend over the, you know, that couch thing with the butcher paper on it that they make you sell. <laughs> um, and I, so I like dropped it. And I feel like you, the, like the best part about, the best thing to do in that situation is to just like confidently drop it like it doesn't phase you at all. <laughs> like, bring it. All right, here's my penis and here's my butt. Which um, one's rashier do you think? <laughs> so I, um, and don't be rash. Uh, so I bent over the side of it and he's like, no, there's not enough room over there. Come around this way. <laughs> and, I need some elbow room. And it was just like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that made me feel like, mm. <laughs> like whoa. Maybe, maybe like you've already got my pants off and I'm already bent over. That like, I don't know, come to me. Like, <laughs> right? Like just move your rolly chair over. You don't have to just like, oh, come over this way when I put my finger in your butt. And so he got it in there very efficiently. He uh, he put the he put it forward and down and he, he said, Well, that's your prostate. It's a little soft. <laughs> I don't know what that means. So listeners of the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. I, I if, think that's good. Okay. I think if your prostate's hard, that's probably a bad thing. Okay. Well, if anybody knows and they want to call in, uh, I know we have a lot of older listeners. Um, <laughs> so if you know what it means to have a soft prostate, a softy, a soft state, um, give us a call and tell me what it is. Uh, one, anyway. Six one. <laughs> yeah. Six six three seven three three six. We love it. Boy. Yeah, thing. this was a tough week of comics. This was a tough week of comics. I normally have 15 comics, and then I pull another five or ten off the shelf that to, sounds to about borrow. Right for me. Um, this week in my polls, I had three. <laughs> I'm subscribed to three comics that came out this week, which is, it was bonkers. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, similarly, I usually have twelve that I pull that are like, yeah, I'm interested in these, and then I usually find like three or four more, put it at about a seventeen. Um, check your privilege, boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, these. Oh, there weren't seventeen amazing comics this week. <laughs> oh god, what a bad week of comics. <clears throat> Not bad. I found things to like. I did too. Junji Ito's Frankenstein came out. Yeah, haven't read not it a yet, comic. That's a graphic novel. It's a manga. I think some other like good like the Batman Wedding paperback came out today. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. there's yeah. some other stuff that came out today that I, I, graphic novel wise I think was pretty good. I wonder if it's a Halloween thing. Well, no, because Halloween is on a Wednesday. But October is a seven week month generally because it's a thirty one day. Seven week month. Sorry, right, five week month. Just skating. <laughs> Just skating over here. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this was the fifth week. Yeah, I mean they're usually all kind of short, yeah. right? I don't feel I don't feel like they do as much like one week is a garbage week as much as there's like three weeks that are generally kind of small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, should we jump right in? I think we should jump right in. Books of Magic number one by Cat Howard, Tom Fowler, Jordan Boyd. We all read very different books this week. We all read this one though, right? Yeah, I read this. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me just plow right on in. Let me plow. Let me just. Plow that, plow that, baby. Just plow into that snow fort with that jelly donut. I'm a uh, big Books of Magic fan. I have never read any Books of Magic. I'm historically uh, known as the guy who has not read Sandman. And I've read, I think, all of these Sandman universe, the first issues of these Sandman universe books. Yeah. And this was definitely my favorite. I liked it a lot. I like the recap that they gave in the beginning that kind of covers the uh, the the general points of the original four-issue prestige format graphic novels. Okay, that's what I want to know about. How was this book originally put out? There was a long series of... You just farted. <laughs> <laughs> could, you could tell that from his body language? Yeah, of course I could. He leaned on <laughs> one, he leaned on one side for like eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it was an ongoing series for a while. Yeah, and but then there before was that... Okay. Before that, Before it that was, was in a four sixty-four page prestige format square bound books. And I might understand that throughout <clears> all of the stuff. Brigade. Oh, yeah. All of the stuff that has come out in all of the books of magic series ultimately was just as this book effectively summarized, like teaching him that he could be the most powerful, important wizard of all time, or he could just be a mundane, normal person. At the end of the series, he decides to just be a mundane, normal person. I don't I don't know. I didn't make it all the way to the end, but this just reboots it. So I guess that's my question is how much of a reboot is this? Where does this pick up afterwards? I love the idea of years of this comic that's come out that like Frank Quitely did the covers on for a bunch of like ultimately was just this thing that ended with him deciding to live a mundane life and now we're living or like checking in the fallout of that yeah see and i don't remember the end of the series either i mean i'm surprised to see tim still in school because i thought the series lasted longer than i thought he was older than yeah he's, he's out of school he's in his 20s i think by the end of the series and it was like it was the books of magic four issue then it was a whole like 70 some issue 100 issues of books of magic and then it was Books of Magic, Life During Wartime, and then it was another Books of Magic series, I think. So he was pretty old by the end. Yeah. I think, so how I read this is the first few pages are kind of recounting the four-issue series, which is where Constantine and Mr. E and uh, 
couple other guys, the Phantom Stranger, I'll come up and say, hey, kid, you're Harry Potter. You can do magic. But and before Harry Potter. <clears throat> before Harry Potter. They're like, you can do magic. And here are the, it's like the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. They're like, here's how it used to be. Here's how it is now. Here's what you could do if you do good. Here's what you do if, okay. if you do bad. And here's the end of the end of time. And you're there along with John Constantine. And then after that, he falls through a bunch of pages <coughs> and panels that, I think show that he's resetting. Oh, okay. Right. So like this this one on at the end of the third page, that's him as an older guy doing magic. It feels to me like the <clears throat> implication is that at some point he decided to be the mundane person. I think he did at the end of maybe well, all no. of that. No, I think this I think this sets him back in time. Like this shoves him back into a teenager body. Hmm. So we're getting the whole story as if he had never had all of his adventures. Well, I like the idea of him having decided to be a mundane person. It's possible he Yeah, did maybe that. he did. And maybe this is and this I guess is happening maybe because the dreaming is broken. Oh yeah. right. The dream is broken. Yeah. Uh this also had Hattie, who I think we first met in maybe Sandman number eight or maybe in uh Death the High Cost of Living. Yes. Yeah, uh, the, the old bag lady in New York who's mm. uh, <clears throat> kind of bonkers but also says a lot of truths. Uh, and we also got to hang out for a minute with uh, the three witches who make appearances in like every single Neil Gaiman thing that's ever been Wait, where are they? Birthed. Right oh, there. right there. Yeah, sitting around the oil drum burning something. Um, and also uh, his teacher, Rose, isn't that... Isn't she the uh, the partner and female half of Doctor Occult? Could be. I think she is. So I, yeah, I just really I think the art was very good. Yeah, in fact, there's his fedora, their fedora. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think like it was sort of out there in some cool ways, but also real grounded at the same time. I really like the skin tones. I really Mm -hmm. like. that going on there, like the sort of change in art styles they did do at the beginning with sort of summarizing his whole past. Yeah. And, yeah, I think Sandman is really well-liked because it's such a strong standing in its own sort of universe and tone and genre. And um, I don't just, that, the setting of it is kind of just hard for me to get into. And this one seems the most close to our world. That's kind of how I've always felt about the Books of Magic series. Like, it's... It's set even more in our world for the most part than the Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. You know, like there there are a lot of parallels between the two, but Harry Potter's story is told in the school. He always goes back to the school. And the books of magic, he always just kind of ends up back at his dad's house. And his dad's grumpy, sad that his mom's dead and watching TV all the time. And so like a lot of things <laughs> nice. are just kind of happening all these fantastical things happen but then he goes back home and i really like that about this character Mm. roman it's about books i like books yeah isn't the dreaming even like more about books isn't that the one that takes place in that library yeah on the light in the library yeah um and i can't it's been so long since i read the original books of magic how closely timothy hunter is tied into the dreaming i mean i think he must have visited there um Met characters from there. 
Yeah, he's met people. It's not, I don't think it's a super tight part of his continuity, though. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember where in the original series I left off. Because I don't think I ever did finish them all. I got most of the issues if you want to borrow some of them. Do you have the Frank Whiteley covers? I, I might have a lot of the issues, yeah. too. I'm missing two. <clears throat> oh, give me a list. I probably have them in the back room here. I didn't know he did covers I for them. <laughs> he did Life in War Times. Yeah. Was that like the beginning of his U.S. career? Pretty close. It was after Flex Mentallo, I think. After Flex. Oh. But not too far after. Probably after he did the final issue of Invisibles, which he didn't do any. You don't think so? I think it was before that, but I think it. I think it was even. It was also before American Virgin, which he did a bunch of covers for. You got any numbers for me, Jeffrey? Um, this book I give. I give it a seven point five. Perfectly acceptable. Maybe even a little above that. Six point five. Jesus. Not my favorite. Books of Magic, but uh, probably my, I think this might be my favorite of all the Sandman Universe stuff so far. Uh, I'll give this a, yeah, 6.5. I'll read the next one. Um, it's not my favorite of the Sandman, new Sandman Universe stuff so far. That would be the, well, the main book, the the Dreaming. Really? Yeah. All right. What's that book book? I like that. I like that fantastical weird stuff. Moon Knight 200. By Max Bemis, uh, Paul Davidson, Jason Burroughs, Jeff Lemire, and Bill Sienkiewicz. Paul Davidson? I feel so bad for him recently when him and Ariana Grande broke up. That was that was Roman's topical jokes. <laughs> that was that was the that was that was Rome. I don't know if y'all know, but Pete Davidson from SNL has been dating Ariana Grande, and it's a very public relationship. And for some reason, Roman just referenced that on the comics podcast because you said Davidson. crossover. I was making a... It's very good. A, a, no, a lame you. joke that no, it's very that same Davis had drew this issue of Moon Knight. I've just never seen you be that topical. I don't know who either of those people <laughs> See, are. that's what I mean. Wow. I didn't know that. I'm hip. I didn't know that Roman people were getting bombs delivered to their address. thumbs up and sort of swung his shoulders in circles. <laughs> I'm hip. Thus negating the hip <laughs> I'm hip, kids. <laughs> Come by for some sweets. Y'all want some lima beans? <laughs> 23 skidoo. <laughs> I bet we could get lima beans at that new mix restaurant. And you know, they go good with uh, that apple juice I forgot the name of. I got horrible, horrible, horrible news. What? Murphy's didn't renew their ad spot. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, man. They, they really said, dropped the juice on that one. <laughs> yeah, they said that if we, could, if we could have had more people order the free juices, they might, they might have renewed it. You know what they had also said is they're able to keep track of how many people Google the website. There was no change in website <laughs> activity from the time we started advertising for them until the time they ended their agreement with us. So <laughs> if you're listening and Murphy. you liked our Murphy's Apple Juice ads, you have, to, you have to go order the free juice. It's the only way to save our podcast. They said if they got any coupon codes in the next, like, month that they would possibly reconsider. Um, I can't imagine that that's going to work. It's good juice. I think. Uh, but I should stop saying good things about it. On to our next sponsor. Were you doing fine. a mixed one? Were you, doing, were you talking about mixed salad bowls? Oh, you think mixed would want to be a sponsor? I think I, Moon Knight is important. I assume they have lima beans. That's why I brought them up. Oh, right. I forgot that I foolishly brought up lima beans. <laughs> Moon Knight 200, Roman, you're the one who read this one. This is the final issue of this run that we've talked a fair amount about. We, I read most of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, read, it, I read it all. Why is it the final issue? Is it 
the creator's choice or was it not selling? I think Max Bemis is doing some music stuff. He also had like kind of some breakdown. I read through the music blogs, so ah. he's probably getting ready to release an album or something. Oh, okay. This guy's a musician for a band. Yeah, and he's been pretty open about his mental struggles. Yep. Um, boy, this issue, well, it's just as... I have to admit, there was a lot of this issue I didn't track. Um, Moon Knight's hanging out with his old enemy, the Sun King, and they're talking about how he defeated the Nazi, Ernst, who's responsible for Moon Knight's, you know, break. But we didn't see him fight Ernst, right? I can't remember. Didn't he put him down last issue? Did he? I read the last issue. Oh, nobody knows. Tailbone, tailbone pains. Yeah, the recap just says Mark fought his way back, defeated Ernst, and found his freedom. Gosh. I think, and then came face to face with the Sun King, which I remember that. Panel I do from remember last that issue. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wow, you guys really should do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know so much about comics. <laughs> Murphy's lima beans. <laughs> We don't say the M word anymore. We should reach out to the lima bean community. You guys sell it mix? <laughs> no, no, it's mix lima beans. M I C K apostrophe S. Mix lima beans. He's funny. He's out of uh, Idaho. We can reach out to mix. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. I'll bet they do it. All of our sponsors have to start with the letter M. Mix lima legacy here, braving a new trail for lima beans from here until the future. <laughs> Now and later, lima, lima beans. beans. <laughs> <laughs> now and forever. Um, so a lima bean is forever. That's true. Because only some people eat them, and I'm one of them. Yeah, there's I'll a eat, lot of art changes lima bean. in this book. Okay, we've got is, to talk is about there, comics. Is there, is there lima beans? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, Jeff Lemire, which almost li- rhymes with lima. <laughs> Old Jeff Lima Bean Lemire. <laughs> Jason Burroughs, Jeff Lemire, and Bill Sinkovich. It was a really slow week for comics, guys, so bear with us here. Uh, this, this, wow. This How many issue. pages were in it, guys? Let me find out I didn't you count. Talk. They're not numbered. Um, <laughs> they never are. The Sun King, in the old days they were. Um, the Sun King and Mark Specht, or Moon Knight, are running around on his motor, on the Sun King's motorcycle, oh. talking about Sun King trying to be a good guy now, and mental illness, and Mark accepting his mental illness. I haven't even gotten confused. Is Moon Knight, is he Mark Spector? Is that his main personality? Do we Wouldn't even, you like to know? Do we even know anymore? He's going to call him Lima Knight. <laughs> um, <laughs> he gets an argument with, with what's eggs. her name? What's, uh, <laughs> Marlene. Holy shit, abort, abort, abort. What'd you think? <laughs> I, it was confusing. The, in the middle of the page, in the middle of the book, there's two big splash pages. No dialogue, no captions at all. It's just Mark and the Sun King fighting their way through cultists and Nazis. And it's, it's pretty wild. Basically, this issue wraps up Sun King and the big guy that they called Truth and Marlene and Mark. They're together again. Things are as good as they can be with his mental issues. He's accepted everything. Um, he sheds a tear at the end. And the coolest thing, big spoiler, you turn the page, the last page is Bill Sienkiewicz. Sienkiewicz. And it's just, you know, Mark, Moon Knight, shirtless, walking off into the, into the, toward the reader, looking up in the sky. It's raining, and it's a pretty cool Sienkiewicz drawing. He's looking for the keys for his Chevy. It's a, re- <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference to Spider-Man No More. <laughs> From the other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopeful. <laughs> what do you give it, Roman? Uh, the whole series, I'll, I'll give a, like a 9.5. Whoa! This issue, I'll 
give. He didn't know what happened. Maybe a a 7.5 to an 8, if I understood it better. I was going to ask you guys to explain it to me. Well, I'm going to have to read it. That's 7.5 Chevy Dice. Chevy Dice. As in Chevy Chase. Is that like Blastosaurus? You guys read High Heaven, and these are those... Hey, that's those books that Grant Morrison does the write-ups in the end of, right? Except he doesn't have one in this one. What? He was listed (laughs) as a writer. No, I don't not think on, you not on, anything on this one. No, not on this. He did in the first issue. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, thanks so much for waiting. You just said Jesus, like, uh, like you wanted to talk about high heaven. You just clapped, and then you said thanks so much for waiting. Right. Like they know that you went and peed. <sighs> Jesus. High heaven number two by Tom Pyre, with Greg Scott on arts and Andy Troy on colors. So this follows the continuing adventures of the kind of just middle-of-the-road dude who goes to heaven and discovers that heaven is just kind of <laughs> middle-of-the-road. So he's eating peanut butter and cheese crackers, and uh, he's got like a little shitty television that's black and white, and he is not satisfied with this. And uh, his, his neighbors and uh, other people who are in heaven are like not super impressed that he's so bummed out to be there. And so what ends up happening is a few angels, including Michael and uh, oh, who else shows up, Roman? It's Gabriel. It's like and Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer, I'm guessing. What's his name? The other one? He's all scarred up. I don't uh, know who that's supposed to be. I think that was, I think that's Lucifer, right? They're watching Alien. Huh? Uh, yeah. Alien. A completely mediocre movie. Well, okay. Oh, is that so, what they're watching? Okay. But they're, they're watching that. So three guards show up. They're three angels. Michael, the angel, turns into, like, this hell beast with octopus tentacles coming out of his back. And he flies this dude up to high heaven, which is the good version of heaven, where everybody's happy. They have genitals, because this guy doesn't have genitals. He's got, like, a Ken doll. He's super horny, and he's just got a Ken doll down there. And so Michael shows him that... He is just kind of in this shitty heaven, and he should get used to it. That's how it is. All these other people are up there drinking wine, having a good time, watching Alien on their giant flat-screen TVs in their high-rises and having sex and getting massages. And uh, the big twist in the end is that his the, the guy that kind of, um, kind of had a hand in psychologically messing him up enough to die also dies and ends up being his roommate. So it, it's feeling more and more like maybe he's in some really mild-mannered hell rather than heaven. I like everything about this book without having read any of it. It sounds awesome. Roman, did you, is that, hey, does he seem like he's just chanting away over there? Is that real? And did you like it if it is real? Or do you like that? Who are you asking about who's chanting? What, what? Exactly. <laughs> Jeff thought I was chanting. He just wasn't listening. Django, <laughs> Django is enchanting. He is enchanting. <laughs> uh, Can you put a sound effect in that makes it sound like I smell that you It depends on how much time I have on Monday, man. Okay. Glee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a it's a very interesting book. It's very cute. No, I don't know, cute's not the right word. It's charming. It's, it is charming because you're I mean, I'm not sure if I like this dude, but I feel for him. <clears throat> um He's a very mediocre dude, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and it's really well portrayed how mediocre he is. I mean, it just feels mediocre. It's not simply like, oh, this guy's mediocre. I mean, they really get that across, the, the whole tone of his existence and after-death existence. It's just so schlubby. That's a good word for him. 
Um, there are also a bunch of text pieces in the back and an extra five or six page comic called Hashtag Colon Danger. Uh, that, like, the text piece that I read and the hashca- Hashtag Danger, those were awesome. Like, mm. this company is putting out pretty, pretty high content comics for the same price that you get a regular Marvel or DC comic. Did anybody read Captain Ginger, Roman? <clears throat> I did read it. That was one that came out last week. So they did Captain it, Ginger. It was a blast. Uh, High Heaven. Um, what's the third one? They're also... The Wrong Earth. The Wrong Earth. And wrong then they've Earth, got Snifter got of Terror coming out. Snifter of Terror, which I yeah. think includes our buddy... Um, does Mark Russell have something coming out in that? Oh, I, maybe. I think he does. Yeah. This book sounds uh, like a well-conceptualized <clears throat> world that I want to be reading. I, I, have you guys watched The Good Place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this feels a little bit like uh, a faster version of The Good Place where they're like, oh, yeah, here you go. Everything's kind of brown and taupe and, uh, you know, have fun with your beige computer and your CRT monitor. You're in heaven. Yeah. That's, Honest. That's fun. I like it. I, no, I, I like the idea of heaven having fixed resources, but then I also seemed like after last issue, like maybe this wasn't heaven. Yeah, and it remains to be seen. But I would give this a seven, maybe even a seven and a half. It feels like uh, slightly the light beer version of Garth Ennis. Hmm. That's hmm. a good way to put it. Wait, what do you mean it's a good way to put it? You compare it a liquid and a human. That's not how ideas work. <laughs> People are mostly liquid jackass. Oh, you're right. <laughs> no, look at a whole Garth Ennis. Yeah. I, w- I, would give it a, I would give the main story, the actual comic story, I think I would give that a seven, but the backup stuff, the text features and interviews, I would give that stuff an eight. Mm-hmm. God, maybe I'm an so eight point five. I'm I mean, so I really like the Tom Payer interview. Humbled to be in a room where Roman, of course, read the text pieces and Django also did. <laughs> I read one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <clears throat> what's that you've got there? Oh well, I've got the uh, the Punisher number three by Matt Rosenberg, Simon Kudransky. And Antonio Fabella. Mm. It's basically a story about Luke Skywalker and Han Solo on a subway. Uh, so Italian urban cheese, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like subway bread. <laughs> I mean, like I'm sorry, but I'm derailed tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna snap out of this and bring it back to a professional. Okay. <clears throat> Serious podcast. Okay, I'm with ready. you. Serious. Yeah, absolutely. Simon Kudrensky used to do Spawn art. It's, he's Did he really? Come, yeah, he's, he's, he's come a long way. It's really good stuff. So this story is basically just Punisher and Daredevil fighting ninjas on a subway train. And I think this might be the best fight scene of the year. I can't think of a fight. Maybe there was that one issue of Doomsday Clock that I thought had a really good fight Can in the Joker's count- bar. Uh, Pax Americana <clears throat> with a double page spread that has three timelines in it. It's like four years ago, dude. Right. Okay. I don't think Just we can count that for this year. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was a nice that was a nice scene too. But this, just like, there was a lot of action, a lot of bad guys. Punisher and Daredevil are in different locations on the subway for most of the thing. Daredevil is trying to get Frank to surrender to the cops, and it just fails over and over. And then they enter, like, the next level of bad guys kicking and punching. And, like, Punisher kills some guys in some really crazy ways. Daredevil disarms him with his with his foot. And then uh, Punisher pulls out his knife and just stabs people up through the chin. And 
knocks a guy's head off by sticking it out of the door while another subway car comes by. They fight an impossibly large dude. It looks like Bane. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like yeah, he looks like if Darkseid got shot up with Bane Venom. Mm. Um, and in the end, Daredevil plays a really sneaky trick on him. And it, like, I don't know. It, I, I don't think that that trick that Daredevil plays on Frank at the end to get him in custody would work with a lesser creative team. No, I think that. I think that it was really, really well done because it fooled me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and I was like, oh, it's, yeah, because the, yeah. they're doing the death of Daredevil in Daredevil right now. So I was like, is this tied into that? That's cool. And then Frank ends up in prison, and one of one of the guys that, uh, uh, t- t- uh, what what the hell is his name? You know, Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. Glass, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Nick Fury shows up with a bunch of SWAT guys, and it turns out one of the SWAT guys is fucking Jigsaw, and it looks Who's awesome. Who's Jigsaw? He's this guy that uh, was in the second Punisher movie. He was played by McNulty oh. from The Wire. Um, but he's he's just, like, all cut up, and he's got scars all over his face, and we thought he was dead, but here he is. And, like, the whole thing, like, this, this whole issue, and I guess the whole storyline that we've had so far from the second and third issues have kind of placed Punisher in a larger Marvel universe, which doesn't usually happen. And I usually think it's dumb when it happens, but this one really pulls it off. And there's like a good tone in it too. Like I like that Punisher keeps kind of mentioning it's like a team up, and it, Daredevil doesn't want to admit that. Yeah. So what this issue made me f- realize, and you know, I'm full of shit because um, I haven't read Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, but I think that like Matthew Rosenberg's strength is in like being a director or a storyboard person yeah because he's good at telling visual stories in an interesting way like yeah i didn't read four kids walking to a bank but i did flip through all of those issues and there's always like cool paneled scenes not necessarily that the paneling was super innovative but what he was doing within those was innovative and i think that he he does a similar thing in this by like separating daredevil and punisher within the subway and having to have like very separate but connected fight sequences that sort of serves this larger, really well choreographed fight sequence. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive work. Like a lot of a lot of lesser writers would have just sort of, I don't know, let the two characters sort of function as people fighting separately or put them together. Yeah. But he introduced their separation almost as like a character within the fight scene. Yeah. Uh, and the and the the you know where they were. It, it's it is a really well done fight scene. I I'm not a huge fan of fight scenes in general because uh, I I can sort of skate through them. But this one like visually is very interesting, and I think that that is a particular strength of Matthew Rosenberg. And the the whole thing is, I feel like this you could hand somebody this issue issue three, which is a weird issue to be able to hand somebody as a jumping on point. But I think this is a fine jumping on point. Yeah, I didn't read number two. Yeah, number two is. A lot more interesting than number one, I thought. Yeah, number one was a tough first Number one issue. was not super memorable for me, but this, yeah. I, I give this a nine. Yeah, the second and third issues have been good. And, and this one, and, and I realize with you saying that, it's if somebody's only seen, say, like the Daredevil and Punisher TV shows, I think they'd feel pretty comfortable yeah, that's with, a really with good point. the characters here. Yeah. Because they seem very much like the same relationship they have on that on those shows. Right. Right. That's That's... 
actually, yeah, I'm I'm impressed how well this series, I think, functions with both of those characters as, like, you could see those Netflix movies and then go off to this. Whereas, Jenga, you brought up that, like, they've got this new Defenders series coming out that has not a single character from the <laughs> Netflix Defenders. Not that they should be connected because, you know, the comics were here first and I support them standing separate, but it is weird to have a TV show with four very different characters than this Defenders book that you're going to put it's out. It's like they're apologizing for the show yeah. or something almost. Yeah. Here's Doctor Strange. I don't know. Silver Surfer. <coughs> yeah, yeah, especially because yeah. the last Defenders series they had did have those characters, some yeah. of those characters. Synergy. 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 Synergistically. Synergistically. Synergy. Just- Synergy is that is that a spawn villain? Yep. No, it's our okay. new sponsor, Synergy. It's, oh. Uh, oh, Synergy it's Lime sort of Beans. Bold and avant-garde direction for energy drinks, in which ah. it's just sort of uh, just a bunch of fucking ginseng mixed yep. with some water. They and, got it in bottles, and they got it in butt chuggers, is what they call it. <laughs> but it's mostly just an energy enema, energistic enema, <laughs> synergistic enema. So Roman, yes. Um, Mars attacks. Wait number... a minute, did you give this a number? No. Uh, I give it a nine. Just you already said that you. Gave I know. It a number. I'm just skating here. Um, um, I didn't give it a number either. Yeah, sorry. I'll give it an eight. Yeah, I'll give it an eight. Billy clubs to the head. Maybe it's just the fact that my butt hurts and they're giving me medication for that that I'm taking. But I give it just over a seven point five. Perfectly acceptable. Just a little bit higher than a perfectly acceptable comic book. Speaking of perfectly acceptable comic books. <laughs> <laughs> Mars Attacks by Kyle Starks and Chris Schweizer. That's the guy who wrote Holy Rock, shit. Rock Candy Mountain. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, no wonder this was so good then. Gosh. I didn't recognize it. the name. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said it was a perfectly acceptable He wrote another book. thing that I, I just ordered. I don't remember what it is, but he's got another thing coming out, yeah. too. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. You would like this. You should read this. Um, I had to it, leave that movie as a child because it was too scary. Really? Well, this this is very much in the tone of the movie and the other the other Mars Attack stuff. Very tongue in cheek. Very. I mean, the aliens arrive and within twenty four hours they've taken over the Earth. They're just destroying everything. Our main character is a loser, like thirty five year old dude that goes in to visit his dad in, in the um, nursing home, and that's when the aliens attack, and they need to escape, try and live. And there's just a lot of dark humor. Uh, one of the cool things is every time they show a TV screen in the nursing home, the image on the screen is one of the top's original Mars Attacks cards. Oh, that's cool. Do any of the Martians hunt men? Mm, not so far that that's we've seen. That's a DC joke. Did you get that? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, they're just they're just Aww. killing everybody. <laughs> I'm a waste of whatever holds my skin on. I do. I think I just love. I like you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I like Jane, and I'm afraid to give him compliments. <laughs> there, there's lots. His of... head will swell. His hats won't fit. <laughs> that sounds like a chant coming on. There's lots of little things like this, like the lady in the wheelchair gets half incinerated, but her chair is still like going down the street. And... Dude, I I would love to rewatch this movie. I haven't seen it in probably. 20 I love years. that movie, and it. Uh, I, I only I only have it on art. VHS. <laughs> wow, this is Kyle Starks on R2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that cover is very misleading. I haven't enjoyed no, a Mars Schweitzer Attacks book, uh, a Mars Attacks book in a long time. What well, didn't Chris Schweitzer do? I guess I assume that Kyle Carl Starks did the art in Maybe. Rock Candy Mountain, but this looks like the same noses and stuff. So Maybe. anyway, that's <clears throat> neither here nor there. This the, the aesthetic thing of Mars Attacks is so awesome, and if if it's an older franchise that you can just sort of drop in anywhere and have aliens showing up, like that's yeah, because there's been other comic adaptations and like Django's said i most of them have been pretty bad but this is great what do you give it roman 
The movie, I'll give that a 10. Uh, the comic, I'll give that a 9. This is one of my most enjoyable reads this week. Dude, I'm flipping through this, and you catching that every shot of a television is from the cards. That's a that's Eagle Eye Statler right there. That's Roman well, I didn't Eagle notice. It, I didn't catch it right away, and then I started realizing. Wait a minute, those look that those images look familiar, and I realized, and I went back. I was like, oh. <laughs> if I had a MIDI controller here, which I have in my house, I would have a soundboard, and it would cue things up like Eagle Eye Statler. Like it would be a really cool every time. Exactly, it'd have a big chicken sound at the end. <laughs> so action? No, we got a buckshot to do. Huh? Jago. Oh, you are we got... doing buckshots instead? Or <clears throat> right now? Yeah, but it's going to be Django first, but I got to fix my clock timer. I'm not going to do a buckshot, but I got some shit to say. I got some shit to spit. I've been oh. waiting for a 90-second pulpit all fucking day, guys. Here we go, buddy. Here. Are you ready? Start it. Religion and politics. No! Make some perspective and give way to ranting and raving and carrying this on like emotional This joke is going to be older. <laughs> 10 seconds. Oh, wow. This was oh. audibly aggressive. Talking about the elections and how they campaign. Revisiting this moment, needing to edit this moment, is one of, it's almost as painful as actually being there with him yelling chance yelling chance at god so i've created out of spite uh, a sort of calming oasis in the midst of the just he just said the word bitch oh god what chant is i've created this oasis of calm Inya in the ocean of horrible audio that Django was was creating. He did it for a minute and a half. Oh, listen to him back there. I called Justin because I thought he'd be able to be disgusted with me, but he didn't answer. It was, after all, very late. Roman just laughed. It's still here is laughing. I can still hear both of their laughing sometimes late at night. Uh. Oh my god. 105 episodes. Wow. And that was my absolute least favorite moment of the whole podcast. Oh no. Oh man. Okay. That was Religion and Politics still by Scott Beach, and also Jeff screaming for 90 seconds. No Scott one. Beach. You just killed every one of our listeners. I don't have separate audio tracks. I can't reduce your volume. I called Justin. He didn't answer. My phone died. I don't have a way to do bug shots anymore. I feel like... I feel, I feel betrayed. Good. I feel betrayed. <laughs> Listen, will you get a comic timer out? <laughs> We're never going to talk about that again. <laughs> Nobody ever bring that up because it'll just encourage him. I oh, can my do butt that hurts so bad. You want, if Jeff. I weren't on painkillers, that would be the Jeff, worst moment. Jeff, go. Okay. <laughs> I read a bunch of other books. Um, it was a real mellow week, everybody. I read Dead Kings by Steve Orlando. This isn't the best book to start my buckshot off with. <laughs> I think this was a really cool pitch with a cool era. It's like Soviet Russia trying to incorporate old folk tales into a post-apocalyptic cyber future. I don't think it was super, super well done. But you could check it out. Um, Vampironica number four. That was pretty good. Um, 
but they don't have Greg Swanwood on the art. So he's been writing it and his wife, uh, the, the two of them, and they, they did an artist who clearly is trying to look a lot like him, and it has a lot of the same strengths. The that, light beer version. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was pretty good. I, I don't know. It's still like a quick, breezy Halloween read. I was into some Halloween reads this week, so I also just dropped into the Bloodborne series. We talked about the first episode of issue of this a while back, but I hadn't played the video game. Now I've played the video game. Um, this is a really, really cool book that probably wouldn't be very good if you haven't played the video game. The video game is, like, really ambiguous in its storytelling, like, almost to the point where they just don't tell you anything. So it's really cool to absorb more of the lore, uh, and this comic does that. It's also written by Alish Scott, who does the New World and Generation Gone. We're big fans of his. Um... So yeah, the, and Peter Kowalski does the art. It's a, it's a very good book outside of like being related to a video game. Uh, and Amazing Spider-Man number eight, I still really liked. But there's no giant centipede dick. <laughs> I'm excited for that big centipede. Oh, Django wasn't here for the centipede character <laughs> conversation, I think. Yeah. I was not. Yeah, I think that was the time before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that giant centipede that, that for the new villain they introduced in the last issue. I, I like that character design. That's some good Ramos art. Uh, and like, it's like you put that centipede on people, and like it just brainwashes them or whatever. Ramos is drawing that. Yeah, he did the last two issues. Of Spider-Man. Oh, Spider Man! Sorry, I forgot you were talking about Spider Man. I was thinking Bloodborne. Oh, by no, Ramos. I know you haven't been reading that. Did you ever read Revelations by Ramos? I've read the book of the Bible. He did a book called Revelations, <laughs> which is like one part um, gods and monsters, the Dan Brown yeah, book, yeah. and one part Chew. Kind of like the main character reminds me of Chu, and did it's you like write and draw. <clears throat> I think he did. Wow, I I really enjoyed it, and maybe that's why I don't let his art bother me because I really liked that image book that he want that he did. I think I don't like Ramos because as I was getting really into comics as an adult, he was doing the art for Spider Man mm-hmm. with Dan Slott, and I didn't really care for the writing of Dan Slott Spider Man. But at the time, I thought that maybe I just didn't like the art. Mm-hmm. But I think that I just kind of didn't like that whole run. Do you want to give those scores, or are you still traumatized from uh, my beautiful chant? That was the most horrible thing you've ever done. <laughs> if you would take a moment and listen to the words behind it, I think you would realize that it has a, a positive message. I can't get past the big old fungal spore that was making the words. <laughs> uh, Amazing Spider-Man number eight, I would give a 7.5 as well. I don't love the Humberto Ramos art, like I've said, but it's not bad. It's just not my thing. I really like the the scene in the nightclub where the guy comes up to the rich lady and he's yeah. like, hey, let's invest in some stuff and make some money. And she just shuts him down and tells him what a horrible guy he is. Have and you guys, is the Thieves <clears throat> Guild like a Marvel bad group? I don't remember. They were a myth until today. Okay. Um, uh, old Lady Harley, I don't think I talked about, but I'll give that a f- six. Vampironica number four, I would give an eight. In spite of the fact that yeah. it was a art switcheroo, Dead Kings I would give a five and a half, and then Bloodborne I would give an eight point five. You know what I like about you, Jeff? Yeah, you're a generous guy, Roman. You got a minute and thirty. Oh boy, um, Beast of Burden number three, another great solid issue. Uh, I love the art in this. Love the story. The dogs are all so great. I'm really impressed with this artist. How. How he or she, who's the artist here, gets the emotional lies of these dogs on their faces. I mean, you really believe that these dogs are are characters. Um, what if Thor was raised by frost giants? Had a good premise. Basically, reversed it where Loki wasn't his father wasn't killed by Odin, and then Loki was kidnapped by Odin and raised his his son. This time, Thor defeated defeated Odin, 
takes or cheese the frost giants defeat Odin, take Thor, raise him as a frost giant. Hmm. So good premise. The story was eh, okay. But the big one, redneck number 16, excellent. I will give this a 10. <clears throat> 10 right now before I even tell you anything that happens. And what happens is just great father-son stuff like Donny Cates is so good at. Um, the father, JV, in here walks in on his son, his vampire son, just after he had sex with another dude. And it's awkward and weird. And JV and... They, the dad and son talk about it, and JV, his dad, doesn't have the kind of reactions his son automatically assumes he's going to have. And it's just a really great conversation, super mature, the kind of conversation you'd want to have with your dad in this kind of situation. Ten. Wow. Well, that's super cool. Um, in Southern Bastards, like two issues, three issues ago, which means like a year and a half ago, um, <laughs> they had sort of a similar thing where like the daughter has a conversation with the dad about being oh. gay and it yeah. goes in a more positive way but for some reason uh, Redneck and Southern Bastards I always sort of put in my head yeah this issue of Redneck and there's no vampire action there's you know it's just the con- main the bulk of the story is conversation between JV and and that son and another not a son I think he's JV's brother conversation with him and a woman that he turned into a vampire decades ago they've been forced to reunite and they have a great conversation, which is also wonderful and ends up well. So is that series ongoing? Yeah. Huh. I read the first five or so issues and couldn't couldn't really get into it. I should probably give it another shot because I really do like most of the things I've read by Donny Cates. Um, but I felt like that was going to be a shorter series, and I guess now it's at 16, so... Yeah, I thought it was Obviously, I need to adjust my expectations for the storytelling pace. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a, a limited <clears throat> series, too, originally. Um, Jeff, Spider-Man. Why do people talk about da- dad stories so much? Why are they just, are just all... I mean, so, like, a lot of writers are guys... And, like, are just guys all working through their dad issues? Do people not have good relationships with their dads? Well, think, listen, I think there's a lot of that out like there, yeah. dad issues? Like, because there's all those unresolved daddy issues out I there. Guess, so that's I'm why. sitting here thinking, like, man, I got enough dad issues. I don't want to read about dad issues. I, and so do they, is it cathartic to read about them? Is it cathartic to write about them? Why I think so. I mean, there? I don't think I really have dad issues, but. I, I, I like seeing these characters that, especially these guys have such a tough centuries of life being vampires um young handsome impossible to kill well, i don't vampires. know if any of them are really handsome i don't think any of these guys is handsome well, i guess i don't <laughs> know if i have like real dad issues it's just that my boss makes me call him daddy <laughs> that's, that's creating new that's daddy, daddy issues every week You're i right. mean who's your daddy right. <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> who's your raw daddy how did it come up today Let's go back to raw said, daddy yeah i think there is a lot of catharsis especially you know <clears throat> and i don't know if... i gotta stop calling you my boss <laughs> no i mean no don't call me your boss I agree with what you said, is what I'm saying. Daddy? <laughs> Dad? Um, so I never really think of myself as having a lot of unresolved stuff with my dad. He's still around. Yeah. And I think we have a pretty good relationship. But do you I like don't... dad stories? Yeah, and sometimes they hit me in a weird spot, and it, like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Maybe there's... Maybe there's shit that I don't that I don't think about or that doesn't doesn't come to the surface, but like I don't 
I feel like I don't resent my dad for anything. I feel like I appreciate the stuff that he he did and has done and is doing. And I I never really feel a super strong connection to stories about characters and their dads. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, it's like a fucking sucker punch. And I get weirdo feelings about it. Well, it's also, I guess, that even just you talking about it made me realize, well, it's also kind of a safe thing because, you know, if you're a son, you have a dad and also there's a good chance that you are a dad. Mm-hmm. So I guess that it's a type of story that people can resonate with on either side of. Maybe that's maybe that's why they get and me because like, I, I worry about whether also, yeah. I'm... I'm hitting the comic book story notes as the dad instead of the son. Right. So it's an interesting thing to like where it, it's you you get off on, you know, on the elevator of the story, which floor you get off on being the father, being the the son. Yeah. And that's probably why there's also some really good stories about moms and daughters as well. But there's unfortunately a lot more dudes writing things, dudes doing everything. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So we get more of that view. Yeah. And I don't have any kids, but, you know, that kind of the – father son thing that kind of that ties into the hero's journey and all that cuz in that the son at some point becomes the father takes on that role even if it's just metaphorically or he becomes the grandfather as in the case of Kylo Ren the eternal son mm-hmm. who turns into his father the yeah. son daddy is what they call him action comics number <laughs> action comics number 1004 by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Ryan Souk and colors by Brad Anderson. Gosh, why can't they keep like consistent artists on this book? Like Gleason did two issues, and then we had somebody else do three. I forget who it was, and then we got Ryan. maybe it was Ryan Souk actually for that matter. I don't know, but I really like the interior art on this. Yeah, it was it was very good. The uh, Francis Manipal cover is woefully strange when it comes to Marion Ravenwood's legs there. On the cover. Hey, did anybody get uh, tricked into reading this fucking Snickers ad? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Garbage, DC. Totally. Fucking garbage. Yeah, Put to- it in the back. <clears throat> Don't derail this piece of art that you're putting out by tricking people into reading it. Yeah, totally. Pro tip, fuckholes. That's not how you sell a fucking comic books, Roman <laughs> Statler. Yeah, yeah. And it even totally worked because Lois looks up and you're like, where? Where is it? Oh, wait, wait that's an ad. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we save this one for the end um, because... Well, like the <laughs> it was definitely my favorite book of the week. Yeah, I think this and Redneck are tied for my favorites of the week. And I haven't read Redneck. But and, and again, this like is adult conversations about relationship. Plus, plus, just that's I love, where we are. I love yeah. Bendis's characterization of Perry White. Dude, I love his <laughs> Perry White. His last issue, Perry's dialogue is so good. Really? Oh yeah, last issue actually was. Um, Yannick Paquette, which is just a oh. very different artist to be on this book. So to be going through those three different artists is really impressive. But yeah, his voice for uh, Perry is wonderful. I I really like his voice for Clark. I did have that weird feeling of like when people are like, okay, so this isn't a breakup. And it's it's just this weird like relationship that's not a breakup, but they're still together, but is like acknowledging how close it is to a breakup that made me have this really weird emotional hanging on I don't know it and I liked that uh Trevor is a little bit more on the fence about it I like how much it reminded me of like reading romance books and romance manga as a high school student and sort of like that fun of like being in a mysterious spot in a relationship so Lois has been basically missing for three issues right (laughs) and in this issue they reunite 
after she's seen talking to Lex. She's been photographed talking to Lex Luthor. And so her and Clark have a conversation about what where their relationship is. And they have more than a conversation. They have humps more than once. They have sex. Uh, in fact, I actually, I don't laugh out loud at comics very often. But uh, when they show two empty pillows and then they both fall down backwards on the pillows and Clark says, great Caesars, and she says, ghost... That made me laugh. That means that Perry's with them when they're having sex. <laughs> I thought it was pretty hot, too. And that way that Bendis is able to, like, tastefully do sexy scenes, I think. And also, like, they're trying to have a very serious conversation about their relationship. She's obviously super stoked that um, Jonathan is out in space, like, having a good time. Like, that's a changing point in his life, according to her. And, and her expression when she says that he just came alive when they, when they left the solar system. Like, that, that was really cool. Um, and Venice is writing that Super Sun series coming up, and it's got both of them, like, Damien and John both look like they go an age jump in the solicits I've seen for it, okay. which is just interesting. So I, I think some of this touched on, like, Bendis is going to be writing that. Yeah. Um, I thought that their conversation about it was very adult. I think so too. I really enjoyed the, like, where she's like, hey, we're both too busy to really have a, a great normal relationship. And he's like, I want things to be normal. And then he has to run away and save the earth again. Yeah. And then he comes back and he has to do it again. And just kind of underscores that, you know, it would be hard to be in a relationship with Superman. Yeah. And honestly, like, the, where they end up makes me think of, kind of where I am in my relationship with Erica, where we both have very distinct lives and we're doing our things, but we're not like some people have no idea if we have a significant other. And I think that like, you know, and these two from, from outside may or may not, but they, they are. And I think that's like a super human thing and it's not presented in fiction that often. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because a lot of people sell stories based on, well, people are lonely, so they want a relationship. So I'm going to sell this story based on this happy relationship story, and then people will buy it because they will envision being those characters. And I think there's this huge problem in fiction and society that we are, like, particularly proliferating love and romance in relationships as a sort of solution for things. People buy into it really quickly. But in reality, like, lives are busy. Lives are complex. Lives are confusing. And... Even in, I think, the most successful relationships, I don't think that it ever, in my life, is, like, super clear, like, yes, this works, and this is great, and I'm super happy with the balance. Like, yeah. you know, good relationship. I'm so busy, I don't really get to see the person that often. You know, and so to to put that into a comic book and have it, like, that is just a really mature adult storytelling thing. And that's, yeah. I don't know, I, I Bendis is... Just a fucking grown up, and I really love how jokey he's he is and can be, and definitely wasn't Marvel. But I'm really, really pleased with the Superman tone. And I could see him. I could see kind of why Trevor is a little rattled by it. Well, it's it's super departure, right? I mean, like Roman, how do you yeah. feel? Yeah, it's it's. <clears throat> I kind of a depart. I mean, I I want to say they had not moments as well written as this, but moments similar to this in, I don't know, the 90s in their marriage, okay. maybe. <clears throat> but not as well-developed as this. I was a little rattled, too. But, I mean, Lois tells him, and Superman's rattled. 
and we're put kind of more in his place here. And but you know, she tells him we're not we're not breaking up. Yeah. But we also we should stop pretending that we're a normal family, a normal relationship. You know, cause and and because we're not, we can't be. And she wants to do her writing and stuff, which she hasn't been doing. And I just think that like that conversation is very real, and it yeah. demands that the people in the relationship need to be okay with redefining things. And that's an, like an inherently scary thing. And while it's not bad, it's scary. And this does a great job of making you scared for Superman in a way that like a battle never could or has. Right. One one thing that that I just that just kind of occurred to me is that the last like from rebirth until now, rebirth until Bendis, um, we've had Superman, Lois, and John living a very American life. On right? the farm, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> On the farm, milking cows, um, having family dinners all the time, even if Batman drops by. Like a very standard pie in the sky. Right, this is right, this is this right. is the American dream for your relationship. And Bendis came along, he broke them all up before the series even started, mm-hmm. sent everybody off, and then and now he's giving Clark and Lois a very different relationship than they've had lately. And I wonder and and like John is gone. John's out of the picture for now. So I wonder if how much of this is just him kind of saying, "Hey, shit's different." And he did it in a super dramatic way right out of the gate and now he's doing it in a a more subtle grown-up way. Yeah, I think that he's kind of reestablishing the status quo in the way that he wants. He's sort of like cleaning the room and mm-hmm. then putting things back together in the way that he wants. And I think that is responsible and cool and implies to me that he's on board for a long time for this. Yeah. And I, and I, that makes me happy as well. Although his other book is just kind of blows my mind for whatever reason. <coughs> like I just I don't know how I can like this much as what as, as I do and then feel the way I do about his other one. Um just like one artistic beat, uh the moment where it's like him, he sits down in this closet, and it's after the Perry conversation, and he, we basically get all the info dump about what, what happened with he and Lois, but that was actually the night before, and so it goes to last night, and it is just, in terms of like a scene, so it starts with sunset, and it's Superman flying probably across the entire country, mm-hmm. and getting to New York, <clears throat> finding Lois, and zooming in on what was the last page of the last issue, and the way that his it's it's like a point of view shot of him in these four horizontal panels through half the page and the sunset is changing and his arm you know stature is changing and the way that motion is moving around him is changing and it is it conveys so much storytelling with how much blurs and the lines like Ryan Sook did a, a really good job with this and I like we've had three different issues on this particular series and all of them have really done a phenomenal job. I have a problem with that page. Oh, yeah. Lois doesn't like pickles? Come on. You don't think so? I bet we could look it up and she doesn't like pickles historically. What kind of monster doesn't like pickles? I, I agree with you. Uh, I would give this book a nine. I think it's uh, solid comic booking. I really, really like the art. Um, I'm going to dock it. Half a point for the opening page gags not being very good, and half they a weren't point, as good as the last two issues for sure. Yeah, half a point for the number of times she calls him baby. I know that was it <laughs> does not work. 
yeah, yeah, I agree. It threw me off too, but also, um, I think it was intentionally there to like really separate that Superman is Superman everywhere but here. Sure. And like the fact that someone like baby is a gross term for relationships in general, but the fact that someone talks to Superman that way kind of made it was like a it was almost like a cheap way of intensifying their connection to me like i think it made the the hurt of what was going on a little bit more intense it's five times in the first night it's crazy it's five times three wouldn't have even noticed it i mean it's five times if it's Django. it's one <laughs> tops if it's me <laughs> hey, hey. oh no buddy I, I like it. I love to sleep. No, I'm, I... <laughs> I'm sure you're very good at what you do. <laughs> what do you guys give this? Uh, I give it a nine point five. I I really liked it, and you know that's largely just on the storytelling. I think the art did a great, great job. It had like hints of Joel Jones while also still sort of being in that. It seems like uh, the, kind of modeling itself after Gary Frank and stuff. But it, it uh, yeah, nine point five just really resonated with the character, really resonated with the emotions, like the emotional beats that were going on. Makes me feel different than a Superman comic ever has. The the scene where Superman shows up at the Daily Planet and just one of the things he does for Perry is scan him for cancer. Yeah, that's I so love that. awesome. Yeah, I love those little Superman moments like that. Same thing when he's there at the Daily Planet and there's a close-up of the Superman dead mm-hmm. um, front page and he you know, gestures to it with the thumb behind his to Jimmy is like the good old days. I know, right? <laughs> you know, you look at yourself dead there. I love moments like that. Yeah, dead and hairy, hairier than he is now. That's also cover to Heroes in Crisis number one. Worth mentioning that on the final page of this, and like the gone but not forgotten, remembering the dead heroes of Hero Crisis number one, and the top right corner says, "See what happens next in Hero Crisis Heroes in Crisis number two on sale now." They're already late. Nice one, editorial. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, also, that's facing the uh, Norm Brayfogle epitaph. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what was your score for it, Roman? Sorry. Can I just say I also love yeah. the last page? And, and, and going into that thing, like you were trying to make the point, that her calling him baby. I love the fact that Superman in this, in these kind of moments, there's, you know, one of the partners is always a little shakier and like, what's going on? And Superman, I mean, he's holding her in the air, in the clouds, and he's telling Lois, don't let go. I just I love that bit of dialogue. That's, yeah, that's... You know, I I must have just been sort of in a hurry, but I really didn't analyze the multi-layered, like the, the two clearly different meanings of that statement mm, right yeah. there. Um, that's very good. Yeah, beautiful art. I love, job, I, I love their fa- facial expressions. When he, when he says to her that I, I need you and the look on her face. Good job. That's great. Dennis. I'll give this a nine, nine and a half also. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck <laughs> off. That whole chant thing was so fucking offensive. Oh. Oh, I don't even know anything about you that you hate as much as I hate Chance. I wouldn't even know how to begin thinking about doing that to you. I don't know how anybody's going to listen to a minute and 30 seconds of that. Uh, Thank God the phone died, and we don't know how long it is. My yeah, suspicion geez. is it's I not mean, a Phil, minute Phil walked out of the room. I can tell you it's a minute and a half. I'm gonna do I've a, timed that motherfucker. I'm going to do a real like <laughs> solid volume dip, maybe do a voiceover dub, <laughs> interlude. Oh, man. You know I'm just going to do it until you let me do it. Until I let you do what? Waste this 
fucking red carpet of an audio experience that we are laying out for passers-by on the award-winning experience that is this auditory adventure. Scott Beach's religion and politics deserves better, Jeffrey. Dude, I am so... My butthole just puckers right up when I hear you say the words religion and politics. Because I've heard that start so many times. Often makes some people lose all perspective and give way to Dude, rich. you are not doing that too. Listen, don't make me use my daddy voice. You don't have a daddy voice. Hey, we got a voicemail. All right, we got a voicemail? We got a voicemail. Nice. You want to hear it? You bet I do. I'd love to play it for you. Where's your fucking volume come out of? I don't know. I've never really been sure about that. Now what's happening? Hi, guys. It's Dino. Episode 105. Yay! I called to talk about Return of Wolverine number two. But before that, a shout-out to Weapon Hex. It was an excellent reimagining of Laura's origin with the magic of Scarlet Witch. And then, spoiler, they matched Quicksilver and Gabby together to make Speed Weasel. Seriously awesome. You should read it. Uh, more spoilers ahead, so that's your warning. Okay, so Return of Wolverine number two. Dakin is alive. That's huge, because in his Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike's hunt for Wolverine, he was totally killed. So, surprise, he's alive now? Um, yeah. Okay, so going on. Uh, the next big surprise for me, who will Wolverine kiss first now that he's back from the dead? I was betting on either Jean Grey or maybe Mariko, because now she's alive. Because of the old man Logan story arc. Anyway, they're both wrong. Because he kissed Anna. Who? Okay. Alright, so, third surprise. Jean Grey has Cerebro, S-E-A, Cerebro, so named by Gabby, in X-Men Red, because her team's headquarters is underwater. Oh, wait, nope, she didn't use that one. She used just the regular Cerebro. So, um, Okay. Uh, then the second part on that, wouldn't Jean be able to feel Logan's alive even without Cerebro? Like, why did she need Cerebro? Anyhow. Um, and then the big one, Jean finds out Logan's alive and she found him. So the first person she tells is Kitty Pride. Uh, why didn't she tell Laura first? Laura's even on her team and Kitty's not. Uh, so anyway, that's my summary and I can honestly say that it is the best Logan book out this month. Also, the only Logan book out this month. Anyway, <laughs> thanks. Bye. Hi, Dino. <laughs> Dino, you're the best. Thanks a ton. Um, wonderful uh, summary. Wonderful points. Um, Do you think Logan can use his hellfire claws to boil water for tea? Yeah. It just dips them right in. And just it's very, very blah, good. Blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, he told Kitty Pride because, like, Wolverine and Kitty Pride. That's a long-standing hangout session that has been around way before Laura. Also, Kitty Pride's just hanging out in the room. Yeah. When when she happens to. <coughs> well, they're use not that. in the sea. They're yeah. Um, but like, Dino, we love you. Anybody who wants to call and with a summary of an issue or anything, uh, if you're a listener, especially if you're like a subscriber at the store, um, you know we got a soft spot for all those people. But anybody listening, we got a soft spot for. Uh, the the number that you can do that is one. 619-663-7336. Make sure and dial a one first. It's gonna go uh, it's gonna ring a couple times and then go straight to a voicemail machine for you. And we would love to play it because 
you guys hear enough from us and we hear enough from us that uh, what do you guys think about the books that you're reading? I love that Dino is so in love with Laura and Wolverine at the same time that we get, uh, you know, gosh, what, who are you in love with, listener? Who are you, generic listener? And also, if you could rename everyone on this podcast, what would we be? Would we be Benny and the Laser Farts? Feel, 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 feel. <laughs> All fills. Thanks for calling in, Phil, even though you're over there. I appreciate that you don't feel comfortable Go from the computer to the mic. But I think that respects the dynamic that we've very fervently uh, established here, which is only the big guys on the mic. Who are you talking like? Jeffrey? I'm just a bit my cuticle. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't know how to end a pot. <laughs>